How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin, and normally we are streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and Twitter, but our friend Ryan here is going to Israel, so we are pre-recording some episodes. Also, I want to remind everybody to text us at 833-262-6431 if you have any disagreements. Um, subscribe and comment on any of our videos to enter yourself into the Apostles Attic Attic t-shirt giveaway. Um, you can choose your design, so if you go over to apostlesattic.com, you can see any of the designs in case you win, and then you can choose your own thing. Um, again, my name is Austin. Um, uh, I'm with my buddy Ryan. Hey, everybody. My name is Ryan, and uh, I'm with AIIW.org. You can find all my personal videos over there. Austin had the brilliant idea to start kind of promoting a few of them uh, on the episode, so we're going to watch one of those coming up in a little bit. I hope that you enjoy. I uh, try to pick the best ones that I have, some of the most views on. Um, nice. But yeah, so I really enjoy doing that, reacting to different podcasters and trying to uh, explain some of the differences between what they're saying and what the reality is that uh, Christianity teaches. So I appreciate it if you go check that out. Uh, you can find all my stuff at AIIW.org. Uh, I'm as it is written on most social medias or something close to that. So go check that out. And uh, I really appreciate my friend Austin here coming in late on a Saturday night to do uh, <laughs> pre-record this episode so we can have something for you guys despite the fact that I will be, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, coming back from Israel uh, right about now. Uh, so I really appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, we hopefully will be uh, streaming this uh, on all of our normal streams at our normal time uh, using the uh, restream technology that we've been using to, to stream all this stuff in the first place. So very yeah. thankful that we have access to that and... Uh, I'm really happy that uh, you all get to join us. So thanks for joining. And again, you can text us at 833-262-6431. We'd love to hear any of your questions, comments, concerns with what we're saying. Let us know if you think that we're heretics and uh, we'll give you a response. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, anything else before I get into our gospel message, Ryan? No, let's get right on into the most important part of the show. <laughs> Amen. All right, guys. So I want you... I urge you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. That is how we get eternal life. And essentially the way it works is um, Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Uh, our creator, God, entered his creation into in, as the person Jesus Christ or through the person of Jesus Christ and allowed his perfect life to be a sacrifice on the cross uh, should so that it would pay for our sins. That the Father raised him to life three days later. And if we put our faith in Jesus, that he is the Jewish Messiah, that he is the Christ, uh, we have a promise from him in his word that we will have eternal life and be with him in paradise. So Amen. Ryan also has a message for Christians who are already Christian. <laughs> yes. So for all of you who are already a Christian, uh, you have a lot of responsibilities as a Christian. Uh, and we just want to urge you to... Uh, take heed of those and to think about them and what they may be and how that may look in your life. So as a Christian, you are a king and a priest of the Most High God, and that means that you have the responsibility to go out and to minister to your community and help to, to disciple new Christians and to bring, new, bring more people to Christ. And ultimately, what we're all working towards is to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles, which then uh, triggers Jesus Christ coming on back and taking us all home. So that's what we get out of it is uh, more brothers and sisters in Christ who get to come and share eternity with us, which is 
I think what me and Austin really want and definitely what Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit want as well. Uh, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so uh, that's what we that's the message that we need to spread as priests and as kings of the most high God. So I'm happy yeah. that I have the opportunity to be here tonight with my friend Austin to have these faithful dialogues like we get to have every week. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing this. I hope you guys enjoy listening. If you're, I, you know, I hope that you come back and listen to, um, uh, that you've started to come back and listen to multiple episodes. And if you're hearing this for the first time, I, I just want you to know that God is real. He does love you. And that if you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, um, you have a promise that you will go to, you know, go to heaven. That's why we're doing this. You know, we're, we're already saved in our eyes. So we're doing this for you <laughs> and we're doing well, this for him. So, <laughs> and, uh, and it's not just in our eyes. We're, we're saved as far as Jesus Christ is concerned. We're his saints that's true. already yeah. here on earth. And that's the only eyes that, that matter, right? Uh, I just need yeah. to be able to look into his eyes and see love and not, uh, you know, anything else that he might show those people who uh, don't love him. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's see what we got. Um, I've got uh, our proverb pulled up here. Is that where we're going into next? Let's do the let's do the video first, and then we'll do okay. the the proverb after. Sorry about that. All I might right. have got that backwards. No, that's totally fine. Um, for everybody, we are going to start reading a chapter of Proverbs every episode. There is some insane wisdom and godliness, and just very good advice found in the the book of Proverbs. And I, I think it's just a good idea if you've never gone through it, just to kind of look and see what it has to say. And we're going to start, we started uh, last episode with chapter one. So if you didn't, if you missed it last episode, just give that a quick read. And mm -hmm. uh, we're going to read chapter two um, today, but we're going to also react to uh, one of the as it is written uh, shorts that Ryan has for us. And that's uh, his content. So let's, I'm going to go ahead and pull that up right here. Uh, and it's going to start. Oh, uh, let me get over to the right. Uh... I have it it's paused. Hopefully it's not yelling at yeah. you. <laughs> no, it's not yelling at me. We're we're okay for right now. Let me uh it won't no. Okay, come on. So it's not letting me like full screen it. There we go. Okay. We are good. Mostly. All right. Let me know when good enough. you want me to. We're good enough. <laughs> All right, All right in go. three, two, one. It's looking out for you. Satan is watching you right now. Satan is just letting the air out of your tires. You go, oh, that guy's a fucking idiot. You know, like we've moved past Satan, but we haven't moved past God. God. Joe, you're trying to make God sound as silly as that caricature of Satan, but it's never been about Satan letting the air out of your tires. What it's always been about, and what the Bible has always taught, is you need to be personally responsible for the sins that you've committed against a holy God, and the only way that that can even remotely be atoned for is through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross, and that's what you need to accept. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. I like the I like the the music too. That was that was pretty good. I like that. I like that. I, See, so really good content over there at As It Is Written. <laughs> good yeah, stuff. Good so, stuff. So I have a bunch of those little shorts. Uh, I've got some longer form stuff too, and uh, hope you guys enjoy that and give it some likes and uh, watches. So. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and leave that activity. Yes, working on that. Uh, okay. There we go. All right, and now we're going to move on to chapter two of Proverbs. Yes, so we are on chapter two, 
And it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her, search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. There we go. Uh, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up uh, sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the way of ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the, blameless will, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. That's a lot right in there. <laughs> um, All right, yeah, so there is a whole lot in there. And there, it seems like we could break up this chapter into some sections. I, oh, definitely. There's definite at least two for for the 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 front the first part and the second part. So mm -hmm. let's see. Um, it seems like in the first part. Or sorry, did you want to touch on that before? Um, no, I kinda, no, no. Guide that. You're good. I appreciate your uh, questions and your insight on this. So, all right. So in the in the beginning, it, it's talking about kind of like wisdom, and let's see. Oh, the way I the way. What, yeah, what it's saying in the first part is that you need to seek out wisdom from God like you would look for silver or for gold. So it says silver okay. in here specifically uh, in that region. Um, sometimes they'll use silver instead of gold for the most valuable metal because it was actually a little bit uh, more rare to find silver in that part of the world, from my understanding. It's 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 also also interesting. It's kind of saying if you seek her as silver, like in talking about um, what is that? Cry out for discernment and seek, her, and that's in. Um, so it's interesting. They're almost like referring to um, discernment um, or like wisdom as like mm -hmm. uh, as a she. Um, do you, like as, I, the Bible kind of does this a couple different times, even with Israel referring to uh, uh, the nation of Israel as like a her. Um, do you know why the Bible does this in general? Um, so there, there's a few different reasons why it might gender certain things. Um, when it comes to, uh, the nation of Israel, Israel gets, gets labeled as a her sometimes because, uh, of the, uh, uh, so I'm not sure what their status is as far as the, as being the bride of Christ, cause they're not the church, uh, but they have a, uh, a feminine relationship with God as well as the church does. Does that make sense? So like the church is the bride of Christ. And so we, that's, that's why the church might have a feminine, uh, uh, bent to it when God speaks of us. And so in the same, in a similar way, I would say Israel is as well. Okay. Um, 
and then in this in uh in this uh in the psalms where it, when it's talking about wisdom um i couldn't tell you exactly why the the bible is using it in a feminine way but i do know that wisdom to like a greek mind would be feminine as well uh so the greek goddess of wisdom i believe is uh is it aphrodite no it's athena uh, so the greek goddess of wisdom is athena and okay. so that's that's a feminine character and so i would imagine that if you trace the roots of what people thought about wisdom back it would go back to being kind of a feminine idea among all different a lot of different cultures okay so i don't know if that quite answers your question or if it's you know probably raises a few other questions as well but it, it, it just is a it is in the ancient world seen as a feminine concept i would imagine it's because uh when you're a young child a lot of your teaching would actually be done by your mother so if you look at uh any time before like 1900 home uh, schooling was homeschooling you didn't have a like abraham didn't have a public school to send his kids to so who was training up his kids were was his wife sarah and all the other people that are that are around them, so, huh, uh, you know that that might be that makes sense. That's just a guess. That is not biblical. I'm not getting. I, I can't quote a Bible verse that would prove that that's the case. But my, that would be my understanding of just kind of how the ancient world worked and why wisdom might be seen as a feminine virtue because it's your mom that's supposed to pass on the morals when you're a very young child. And huh, so when you're older, when you're older, you go and you work with your dad at, if you're a man at the, uh, you'd go work with your dad at whatever vocation he had. So if he's a farmer, you'd be working with him in the field at a certain age. Uh, if he's like, Jesus's dad was a carpenter. And so Jesus got trained and taught to be a carpenter. That's why he was called that. Uh, so at that point, your dad would take over kind of the knowledge-based education. So your mother would probably be leading in a lot of the moral education when you're young and then your father would take over a lot of the knowledge-based education once you're old enough like to start trades. learning a trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And know. actually, like, that's probably the system that we need to go back to, to be completely honest. Uh, when, when you look at it, sending kids to a public school where everyone is in the same age bracket for that year that they're in, it's such an unnatural educational system. It's, it's completely insane. The re there's a reason why all of our uh, math scores and science scores and all the different scores are so far down. It's because we just teach kids information, which they then immediately flush out of their brains right after they take the test. And so that's just not at all how knowledge and wisdom and understanding was passed on even just 200 years ago. That is a completely alien concept to <laughs> what God made us to be in the ways that God made us to work as far as I'm concerned. So that again, not a hundred percent a biblical uh, argument here, so no, just take it, it with that grain of salt. It's a it's a re reasonable um, idea there. Yeah, I appreciate that, but I just I like to make it very clear, or at least I try to make it very clear where I'm talking from bi biblical knowledge and from my own personal opinions, uh, just because I don't want anybody to get confused and and start following what I'm saying and thinking that it's it's completely biblical. So. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. And so that was like it, it. I kind of got the impression, just you know, uh, you know, like my son. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, um, are 
Yeah. Uh, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. If you cry out for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and you search for her as hidden treasures. Um, it just kind of, I almost get the, like, um, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm getting there. Um, it, it, in just in a lot more words, um, in a lot more like a poetic way. Um, and then we have the, the rest of it when it's, um, uh, discretion will preserve you understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way, way of evil from the man who speaks uh, perverse things from those who leave the path of uprightness to walk away a uh, walk in the ways of darkness like and it just keeps kind of like um going on um mm-hmm. right here so it's um r- right here it's just kind of like a warning to sin and it's basically saying like be well, i don't know just be discreet and have understanding and um and that'll protect you and um keep you away from just doing evil things and yep. it just kind of goes down here and and it, it, it's you know to deliver you from the immoral woman um from the seductress who uh, for, forsakes the companion of her youth and just goes on and on and mm-hmm. until it, yeah so it's a big warning um, to to just uh, keep your keep your understanding and your knowledge and um, stay away from from evil stuff and yeah amen and uh, find yourself a good woman <laughs> yeah like uh, like you have there there Austin <laughs> yeah I appreciate that man <laughs> so, c- congrats on that and uh, you know I, I hope that uh, that I get blessed with that someday and that our our listeners who aren't married yet that they uh that they find a godly woman that that lives up to these bible verses and uh doesn't lead you down immoral paths and abandon you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we just gotta uh I'll, I'll pray for you and uh if uh you're our brother in christ or sister in christ and you're hearing this you gotta pray for our brother here ryan so yeah <laughs> i appreciate it i appreciate it well uh, uh lord willing right yeah it may not happen but uh if it does, that'd be wonderful. So, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it, the the whole book of Proverbs again. I, I'm not sure if I kind of explained. Um, do you know kind of the story of of King Solomon? Have you heard some of the? Uh, not really. I so, mean, I know, I know a little. I I know the fact that David gathered the materials for the temple, but Solomon actually built the temple. That mm-hmm. he lived a very um, luxurious life, and he was the one. Apparently, he also wrote Ecclesiastes, and uh, he. Um, understood everything to be very like empty and just vanity and like he kind of expressed that and like um, because he had such riches that uh, he just found life um, outside of God to just be kind of like empty and like shallow and just um, that's that's kind of what I just know about Solomon and then he prayed for his his prayer or his request from God was to have wisdom or to be really smart and God gave him that. So I'm, I'm going to bring that up for you right now, actually. Second Chronicles 1, 11 through 12. So that's about a summation, and then he re, uh, writes all of Proverbs. And I don't know how he dies. I don't know what happens during his reign. I just, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so uh, what we see here in Second Chronicles, and, and what the Chronicles are is they are books or uh, scrolls originally. Episodes. That- <laughs> Uh, well, and they they record the uh, the lie they chronicle the lie the the things that happened in Israel, 
And so uh, there were lots of people that were writing down a lot of different things about the histories of Israel. And this is one of those writings that ended up in the Bible. So it is inspired by God. So uh, we start actually... Um, is it, okay, this is interesting. And so I'll to the reply. Okay, so we'll start here in verse 6. Uh, so... Verse 6, and it says, And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. So we're not talking like a thousand little doves. We're talking like sheep bulls. and bulls <laughs> and like the most expensive things that you can imagine at that time. Okay? And so he offered a thousand of them, which is just a crazy number. Uh, and so this is, uh, I, w I would assume... I think this is when he's getting coronated, but I, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, so uh, on that night, the, after he did a thousand offerings, <laughs> God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask what I, what shall I give you? Man, there are so many people that want that to, to be how God responds to them, right? And so Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king, Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Okay? Wow. So, so this is a man. Him. Yes, this is a man who basically, like, God said, I'll give you whatever you want, and he realized his place. He realized where he was at and the fact that if there's anything that I want in the entire world, it's to lead this country properly because they're your people and that's going to be the best way that I can serve you and glorify you. And that was 100% the right answer. And so what we see is because of that answer, God grants him all of those things. And so if we go back and we, we, can, we kind of have an idea of how much wealth that King Solomon has, he was probably the richest person to ever live and probably will be the richest person to ev ever he had just ridiculous amounts of gold. He had ships. He was going and, and uh, sailing all over the whatever the known world for him at the time was and, and trading with people farther east and west than, you know, you would imagine at the time. And so God just blessed him so much because of how humble he was in that uh, in that moment. Now, he goes through and, and, and you'll read the rest of his life is not some kind of fairy tale where it's all just blessings and, and greatness. You know, he, he messes up spectacularly. Uh, one of his, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. I think he like compromises cause he marries a bunch of women and then brings mm -hmm. in their idols. Yeah. Yep. And so that, that's the problem. It, it, it says the, the, the Torah teaches that there are three things that a King of Israel shouldn't multiply wives, horses, and uh, gold, or I think it says silver. It might say silver. So basically, multiply, uh, make a lot uh, hoard. Uh, you shouldn't uh, get a lot of it. Okay, multiply it. 
So, so the, the, what it's saying is that the kings of Israel shouldn't be because the uh, the the horses is a war problem. Uh, if you're if you're breeding a lot of horses and making a lot of horses, you're going to have to use them for something. And at that time, that was a war thing. Um, if uh, you uh, if you if the king himself is multiplying gold, is taxing the people and taking their gold from them, that's a problem. If uh, if you know, and if and King Solomon's biggest issue was his wives, where he um, you know he takes on so many different wives as a uh, he he does it as part of like uh, trying to make peace with all the people around him, and so these people have gods that aren't the the one true god of the universe, and so instead of forcing the those wives that come in and 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 come into his country to give those up, he instead allows them to make different altars and to worship different idols in in his own house, and so that leads him astray in, in many different ways. So. And that's and where in the Bible? I mean, Chronicles here in, in Second Chronicles, uh, you'll see it in Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, in Ecclesiastes. No, I, like, I find uh, like the life of Solomon just all in Chronicles. So part of it in Chronicles, part of it in Kings, part of it in uh, Psalms. Or, sorry, not Psalms. He does do a few Psalms. He's also Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Does he do Lamentations? Who I don't know who wrote. Let me see the Lamentations. I think that was a that was a prophet. Let's see. Really, you couldn't just pop up limitations e. for me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just why couldn't it? Where? Okay. Uh, doesn't say. I don't. I don't know who wrote it, so I'd have to look that up. But not worth not worth it at the moment. But. Yeah, so there, you'll to read about him. You've you've got to read a few different places in the Old Testament. Okay, and uh, what Chuck Missler would say right now is that that is a uh, technique to avoid hostile jamming. Oh, <laughs> so I think that was one of like the first couple episodes. I think I remember because uh, I tried to watch that series. Uh, what mm -hmm. were you gonna say about that? So uh, one of the things about the Bible is that there isn't just one chapter on baptism. There isn't one chapter on salvation. There isn't one chapter on a bunch of different, uh, like, we don't just get individual chapters that explain exactly what all of these different doctrines are. And the reason for that is because what Satan could do to attack the Bible is start ripping out those chapters. So what we see with the Mormons, what we see with the Catholics, what we see with the Muslims is they'll include the Bible, but they'll they'll minimize the parts that they don't like, but there aren't specific chapters that they can just rip out and take out and say aren't real because everything is so intermixed and intertwined. So it's a way to avoid Satan being able to mess up the message of the Bible because there isn't just one page that you can take away and you lose the doctrine of, of uh, you know, you don't you lose the 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 reason for baptism or you lose jesus salvation it's it's spread out through the whole document yeah and that makes sense so. because like yeah like you were saying if somebody were to try to like uh tamper with some doctrine by ripping out books of the bible or pages of the bible um it would be spread out like among like throughout the whole entire bible so that it, 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 yeah and exactly. that's what the hostile jamming is right <laughs> yep yep 
I like oh. the way he uh, he talks about that. Just the the words he uses are are kind of funny, but they make sense. And um, so that for our audience, that's Chuck Missler, and he um, was a really good Bible teacher, and he did a series called uh, was it Learn the, the Bible, Bible in Twenty Four Hours. Yeah, and so, so I, uh, I highly recommend you check that out and uh, watch all twenty four hours of it. He uh, he's a wonderful teacher, and for at least for someone who's got a very scientific or like engineering oriented way of thinking, he will explain the Bible in in ways that you can really understand. Uh, so he he wasn't a preacher his whole life. Uh, he had a secular business career where he started off in the military. Uh, then oh, wow. went, was an executive at uh, a lot of different major corporations. He was a vice president at Ford. Uh, he ultimately was the CEO of Western Digital. So the company that makes all those hard drives that are running your computer right now, he was the CEO of that back in like the 80s. So this wow. guy wasn't a slouch when it comes to knowledge about engineering and science and communication technology. He was up to the minute on all of those, that information because of the, the sources that he had from his career over the decades. And so when he's talking about the Bible being uh, uh, in, it's impossible to, ja to be jammed by, you know, to be messed up by hostile jamming, he's coming at it and looking at it from an information sciences perspective. So you can go and do a whole bunch of different uh, mathematical equations and stuff to, to prove different things about the Bible. You're not going to get new doctrine out of it. He never creates new doctrine from any of this, but you can learn about a lot about how the Bible is communicating things and, and, and you can confirm that the Bible is an extraterrestrial message because of a, a number of different factors that you find within the text. Huh. Um, okay. And so that's and that's what the Bible claims. The Bible claims it was written or authored originally by God himself, uh, penned by the 40 different men that uh, got charged with actually writing it down. But they, but it was authored by one single source that had to have existed outside of time and space as we know it, because it, they just knew things they couldn't have known otherwise. Yeah, like prophecy in general, um, mm -hmm. which is like uh, speaking history in advance, which is which is but crazy. That, uh, but that's only one facet of it. So prophecy, but then you also have science. So you go and you look at the scientific claims that are made in the Bible, and every single one oh, of them yeah. is true. So one of them that we didn't know about literally until this year was, um, so it says in, in early Genesis, when it's talking about the flood, it says that the waters came up from the, 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 the fountains of the deep, okay? Uh, and, and you're like, what the heck does that mean? So you're saying the world got flooded somehow from underground? That doesn't make any sense. Well, like no, the, where where the is there enough water? To, right? No. So we're not even talking, like, the, the science has estimated about how much water there is in the Earth's crust near the surface that we can get access to with wells, and it wouldn't even come close to being enough to flood the Earth. But what science just discovered is that 400 miles down, there is uh, three or four times more water than exists in all of the oceans on the entire planet. No way. What? Mm-hmm. Yep, we literally just found that out this year. And so the Bible claiming that the fountains of the deep opened up and flooded the earth is 100% exactly what happened. There is a, there's a, there's a, a ridiculous amount of water underneath the earth's crust 
and God, through whatever geological processes, caused that to come bubbling up and flooded the entire Earth that way. Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, oh, I, yeah, that's that's why the rainbow is nice, but that's terrifying. Oh, yep. my. Yep, and and what he what Austin just mentioned there is the rainbow is a symbol that God gave us after the flood to tell us that He's never going to uh, destroy the earth that way again, and so there isn't going to be a global flood that destroys the earth. What we can expect and what the Bible teaches in Revelation is that the earth is going to be destroyed by fire, and uh, that's the the judgment that we have waiting for us. Not us because we're part of the church and we will be raptured out of the the world before then. But the rest of the earth has that waiting for it um, sometime in the future. We don't know exactly when. It seems like it's going to be really soon, but I'm not going to claim any dates or times because you always end up looking silly when you do that. Um, when you, uh, you, sorry, it's late. I'm, I, I, I'm, my train of thoughts are escaping me. But um, you, you brought up, you brought up a point trying to um it's gone all right uh, let me get into or is there anything else you wanted to get into before we start with the gospel of john uh you're no you're good um just feel free to interrupt me whenever you can just start speaking and and i know that there's a delay so you're not going to be like offending me if you just kind of interrupt me and ask your question when it pops oh. up okay so. no worries yeah, 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 I'm just telling you no worries either, bro. You're good. Um, All right, sounds good. So you want to get into the reading of John? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, I had I had something that that popped up and um, oh, okay. So do you okay? So if if the if the water was literal, then the are you saying the fire is going to be literal? Yes, absolutely. There will be a time when uh, what I believe is going to happen is God is going to rain down. Uh, basically what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I think that was kind of like a preview of oh, what's going to happen to the rest of the earth. And and the way it's described in Revelation, it says that uh, uh, it's going to be so terrifying that people are going to go, like, bury themselves under mountains and, and cry out for the rocks to come crashing down on them to protect them from the wrath of God that's coming down upon them. It's, oh, it's going to be a truly terrifying experience for anyone who's not, uh, you know, who hasn't been uh who hasn't who has well hasn't given their lives over to the 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 lamb of god you know jesus christ and so that's that's yeah i was gonna say why is that an issue why is what an issue not giving your life over to jesus oh because you're gonna get because you're gonna be absolutely completely obliterated and you're gonna spend eternity absent of the in absent of the father and just in complete torment and hell there's there's no two ways about it, unfortunately. There, you either are in Christ Jesus, you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, or uh, you face the consequences, unfortunately. And, and I just hope and pray that everybody watching this and really everybody in the world comes to Jesus. That's, that's what he wants, and ultimately that's what I want as well. Yeah, and it's not like we, we can't sugarcoat it there. If Jesus wasn't sugarcoating it, you, you know, um, and, he, well, and it, he really wasn't. <laughs> no, he he wasn't, and unfortunately, when the church sugarcoats it today, it's just damning people to hell. Because if you don't explain to someone the problems with not believing in Christ, and you just tell them that it's all lovey dovey and and all goodness and and hugs and you know rainbows, 
you're 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 lying to people and you're not telling them why they need to actually convert and why they actually need to put their faith and their trust in Jesus. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we need his righteousness to be applied to us and the only way that we can have that happen is through faith in him. All right, now here's a here's the curveball that I've been trying to understand. Where does where does repentance come in? Because you can't just accept Christ and then live like a devil, right? Yeah. So, like, where does where does that tie in? And so, um, I I, I are... think that that a lot of people tie repentance in with action. So, uh, my understanding is, and this is just off the top of my head. So, please text us if I'm wrong. My my understanding is the uh, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, uh, and what that means is it's more it's more along the lines of changing your mind, and so. When you repent of a sin, you're you're changing your mind from understanding, from thinking that it was something that was acceptable to do, to believing that it is something that is completely unacceptable to do. And so, even after you've changed your mind about a sin, it might still be something that you are having trouble with, and that you need to give over more of it to God. So, just okay. because you rep you can repent of something and then still fall victim to that sin later on, and there is forgiveness in that. I was yeah I was I was um wondering how that worked cuz like like so I I I try really hard to uh, to be good with like profanity but I mm -hmm. I noticed that it slips and so it's like I understand and agree with God that I shouldn't let vulgar or like words come out of my mouth and I should speak well and stuff like that cuz it says it in his word to do that and so when I mess up there it's me understanding that I should speak right but then I speak wrong and so it's like it's it's it, it, it's tricky because you also have this account that we're going to come into with like the woman who was caught in adultery when jesus is saying then uh, go and sin no more and so i've always been i've always had a hard time with this because i'm like in my mind can i really achieve a point where i can sin no more because there's whole sex there's like a, at least one sect of um christianity that believes that you can get to a point where you don't sin anymore like like ever again and i i don't know like where if there's a validity in that like so uh, it's it's funny uh this is one of the topics where i'm i probably know about as much as you do on it uh from what you've been saying and so uh i know that there are people i believe uh james tour one of the one of the people that i respect very much when he talks about science and faith uh so he's a uh he what he does is he engineers nano cars that could uh, drive down the super highway that is each individual strand of hair that you have. And so he understands how science works at the smallest levels. And so I love when he talks about evolution and how that's a bunch of bunk and completely wrong. Um, but I believe he is one of the people that, that believes that you can completely stop sinning. And, and there are some Bible verses that lend some credence to that understanding. But I, my my biggest issue with that is look at like King David and King Solomon. So we know where King David and King Solomon are right now. They're in heaven with Jesus Christ, who they both are the father of. So they're both saved, but you look at their lives, they were horrible sinners. Uh, I mean, King David, he, he murdered someone and, 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 and married his wife after having sex with her outside of marriage. Like there is nothing worse that he could have done in, I mean, there are things worse that he could have done, but like, there's very few things worse that he could have done to 
to sin against God, and there was salvation for him in that. And and I don't think he ever stopped sinning. You know, it, you you look at uh, you look at the end of David, King David's life. He wasn't making all the right decisions his whole life. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. It's <clears throat> it's still it's still a hard thing for me to understand as as far as like. how i should be thinking about things like if i if i agree that like a sin is wrong and i continue to stumble with that sin and then what does that mean about me stumbling with that sin like you know what i mean like i just i've always gotten kind of like stumbled by this and i when i say stumbled i just mean like mentally stumbled i don't understand Mm. it i don't like i'm not like stumbled into sin about what i'm saying like because i know that's usually a phrase people would use but you're confused um, I, by it. It's, it's yeah, something I'm confused that, by it. yeah. And, and again, like I said, this is something that's cropped up more recently for me. I, I tend to, to lean on the side of we're not going to stop sinning because that's, that's just what it, like human beings were because uh, you also have to look at what, what is sin? Do you know what like sin means? If you look at the word in Hebrew? Um, I mean, I remember you saying missing the mark and it's an archery mm-hmm. term. Yes, it's an archery term and it means to miss the mark. So do I think that I'm going to take 100% perfect shots at the target the entire rest of my life? No, I mean, even people in the Olympics miss the mark and get less than a perfect score. And so to, 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 in the actual sport of archery is what I'm talking about as a, as a reference. Well, here's, so, my, here's my thought to that. And I don't mean to interrupt you, because, mm-hmm. but you gave me permission to do this. Yep. Wouldn't that mean that I could ascend to a point where Jesus never needed to die on the cross? And now I'm not trying to be offensive whatsoever, but Jesus prayed, Father, if there's any other way, like um, these people can get to a point where they don't sin anymore, let, then let it be. Or, But nevertheless, let your will be done. So my whole thought was, if we could get to a point where we could have faith in God and then get to a point where we're not sinning anymore, then it, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die. It's- well, let, let me let me re, let me restate that. So, I've murdered thirty five people. I'm gonna get to the point where I stop murdering people. What what do I still deserve, Austin? Capital punishment. Exactly. And so, even though I've stopped murdering, I, I still deserve the just punishment for that. And so, one sin against a perfect and holy God means that you deserve eternal separation from Him, unless you can be cleansed by something that's good that's greater than you are okay your righteousness cannot atone for the sins that you've already committed so there's a difference you're saying that i needed jesus to pay for my sins but then that i could potentially get to a place where i'm not sinning anymore and that's afterwards well and and after we put our faith in jesus we will all get to a point where we don't sin anymore when we're dead or when we get raptured see that's what i that's what i think too because when when, okay so i think and paul talks about how we have that um, uh, when I sin, it's no longer I that sin, but it's sin that dwells within me. And that's a whole uh, thought experiment if you want to really get into that. But like, I think that because we sin because we're sinners and mm-hmm. I think we have this mark on us, this spiritual mark on us that causes this to happen. And that mark doesn't go away because we put our faith in Christ. However, our souls are no longer condemned when we die, when we get presented to the father. That's kind of how I look at that. But go ahead. That's just me being inexperienced. Like, that that sounds mostly right. I I can't think of anywhere that you're wrong. But again, if if anybody else can, please uh, write into us. We'd love to hear what you have to say about it. And 
Um, oh, you know what? I need to put up a little clock so people can can do edits of this and or give us timestamps. But uh, uh, that's it for next week. Sorry. Um, so you know, I I don't think that. I'm sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> what, what, what were you saying? So we or... sin, so we sin because we're sinners, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's why it happens. And I think there's some spiritual mark on us somewhere, not physically, maybe in our DNA somewhere. But that's why we end up dying and we're not immortal. That's why we end up sinning and like when we're babies. Like I think we just are born into sin, and therefore we, um, because we are, you know, our parents were sinners and stuff, and, and that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking. Um, that you're never going you it, you can reduce it down to 0.01% sin where it could have been 100% before Christ but I don't think you can get to a point of complete perfection and holiness while you're here on earth but that's my opinion like yeah. I'm not trying I'm not trying to and, make, and, like any claims I'm a 3 year Christian I don't know everything <laughs> like, well and <laughs> you know I I've I've been a Christian for for as long as I can remember but you know I I don't think that like I think I think you have it basically right to be honest, I, I think that essentially what we're called to do as Christians is every single day become a little bit more and more like Christ, and ultimately we will become completely like Christ in the sense that we get a glorified body that is free from the, the sin nature when we die or when we get raptured up into heaven. And so yeah. that's that's my essential understanding as well, but I, I, to give credence to the other side, there are Bible verses that definitely sound like it says that we can stop sinning, you know? Like you said, with woman at the well, go and sin no more. No, that, that was the one, woman caught in adul- adultery. Yeah, she was at the well. That was the woman at the well. Uh, oh, the, sorry, uh, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah, the woman at the well, didn't she? The woman at the well was uh, him calling her out for the husband's um, um, thing, but um, the woman caught in the act of adultery. He, you know, oh, okay, uh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry, anybody condemn you? No, and then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. <laughs> So when he says go and sin no more, does that mean he's saying that with full expectation that she's going to do it again? And he's just laying out this standard like, like, look, I still expect you to to not sin. Like, do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I it's hard to know because he's not he's not being very direct there, but he is being direct. He's being direct in the sense that he's saying don't sin anymore. But he's also God and he understands us. And so it's I, I'm really this is one thing. Um that kind of like always put my back up about uh, uh, Catholics is they'll read verses and extrapolate doctrines. And so for me, if I, I, this is just my personal opinion. If, if, if there was some clear teaching about something about like, look, once you put your faith in me, you, you will like this, this, this is not X, Y, and Z. I would expect something that big. Like you can get to the point where you're not sinning anymore. I would expect that to be very simply laid out. Or like him to at least address it with a parable or something, but it would. We're, I think we're taking verses and then kind of making doctrine. And again, that's kind of like uh, I'm not saying you are doing this, but I'm saying I'm. Uh, I think people have done this, and that's kind of my gripe with Catholics, especially with the keys to the kingdom. That's one of my gripes is just like we're we're taking a verse and then we're 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 um, we're extrapolating a little bit. But um, yeah, I, um, so I, I I can concede to the idea that we could get to a place where we are but you'd have to that'd be a very strong argument you'd have to make for me i think (laughs) yeah and and i would say there are some bible verses let me let me see if i can look up on the yeah let's let's see i'm not i'm not trying to fight it i'm not advocating yeah yeah. (laughs) 
uh, and again, you know, we're not claiming to know a hundred percent of the Bible. There's there's room to grow and and uh, un- become more knowledgeable in our understanding of of Christianity. Bible make you remember things, and then you um, teach me things. <laughs> <laughs> so here's from Open Bible Info. Let's see if I can copy that over into a view that you guys can see. Okay. So, uh, John eight eleven, like you were saying, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, sin no more. This is all the ESV, by the way. Uh, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawless, lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness in 1 John 3, 4. Hebrews 10.26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That one's, that one's a, a little condemning there. Come Acts on, Paul. Why you gotta, why you gotta um, slam dunk people like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the... Okay, that one isn't specifically saying sin no more. But there's this okay. idea here to to stop sinning, and when you sin after knowing Christ, that there's some there's a really big issue with that, and it's like, but I I would hone in on the word deliberately, and I I say that because um with deliberately it falls into the category of transgressions, and I think tra- transgressions are like planned sins, like you fully intended for this to happen versus I was going about my merry way, I've been praying, I've been devoting myself to the Lord in this thing crossed my path and I fell to it and I stumbled versus I woke up today and said, I'm going to sin. Like, I think there's, there's, there's a little bit of differences there. Um, like, cause I, I was hearing somebody talk about the different, like just sin in general and then a transgression being like a, like a deliberate sin. And so when he's saying, you know, um, uh, sinning deliberately um, after knowing the, the knowledge, it's like the, the truth is no longer in you or something like that. Um, so <clears throat> I, my my only pushback on that would be uh what i what i think it is saying isn't that you you're deliberately sinning like you plotted it out days in advance what what i think it's saying is that now that you're a christian you know the truth and so any sin that you do from now on is deliberate that i think that's more what it's saying than than kind of the way you're interpreting it oh okay so uh, at least that's possible again i'm not saying that the Bible teaches that if you if you say a bad word once after you become a Christian, you're now not saved anymore. I'm not saying that at all. But and again, we see that King David murdered someone and before that had slept with his wife and he was still saved after that. So, well, well Paul, Paul is the very same guy who's basically saying, I want to do what's right, but I end up doing what's wrong. Like mm-hmm. he, he fully admits to sin. And so it's like, but you also converted to Christ. So. He's also, but, and then he's also the same guy that said, if you're going to preach adultery, do you yourself commit adultery? So he's basically saying like, don't, don't be like an actor here. Don't be like a hypocrite. Like if you're going to preach something, actually live it out. But then he's also saying, I, I, I fall victim to sin. But then he's also saying, if you have the knowledge of the truth of Christ, then the truth is no longer in you. So it's, it, there's a lot of thought to kind of bounce back and forth here. Yeah. You have to be ba- balanced in your approach of like how you're going to like look at these things because you, you everything every concept you think about when you're looking at these verses there's there's a 
it's multifaceted. Like it's not just like you find one verse, you think one thing and you, you can just roll with it. Like if you end up doing that, you're going to like neglect a bunch of other verses here over here in the Bible. And then that ends up being a problem. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, that's a, I, I, that is a question that I've been struggling with and, and wrestling with actually recently. Uh, I, I, I again, I, I, uh, you know, whether or not you should continue, not obviously you shouldn't continue sinning. That's clear, but whether or not, if you continue sinning, that means that you're not saved anymore. So that's, I, I land on the, there's a lot of forgiveness in, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the only unforgivable sin would be blaspheming the, the Holy Spirit, which was uh, what the uh, uh, rabbis and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing when they claimed that the works that Jesus Christ was doing were of the devil. So I don't even know that we can do that sin anymore. So that's what I, mean, I, I fall back on, it, if that makes and then, sense. And then, like, for me, you're, you're saying that that's, um, yeah, for me, it's like a it's like a thief on the cross thing like you have to have you have to have had somebody say um god was going to send a redeemer and that redeemer turned out to be jesus christ you know he lived the perfect life he was the messiah he was the christ if you hear that and you say no like that i think that's your issue like who i think you go to heaven or hell based on who you decide Jesus Christ is. He's either yeah. a, a human being or he's God, right? <laughs> so well, he's it's, a, the way that C.S. Lewis put it, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, yeah, that's... that's. Oh, you already heard that one before? That That's awesome. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard and, it put that he's either your um, your savior or your judge, like which mm -hmm. is also true. Yes, that's so. true. But ba just based on his <laughs> claims, you know, Jesus claimed, like, like we like we were talking about last week for you guys or earlier today for us, like we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, Jesus didn't ever directly claim like you would want to be the Messiah, but you know he he was the Messiah, and so that's how everybody interpreted what he was saying, and so either he's lying about that and knows that he's not the Messiah and he's just a, a complete the worst person ever, he's a lunatic and actually believed he was the Messiah but wasn't, or what makes infinitely more sense than either of those two things, he's the Lord of the whole entire universe and, and will reign over all of the world at some point, right? Like, th those are the only three options. There is there is no he's a good teacher option with the claims that he made. Yeah, and I it took me a while to to start to notice or to come to the information that... Um, how, how, how do you know... Um, that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, well, it's the miracles. And mm -hmm. I, so how it, it, it makes more sense when you get to the part where he goes in your law, it says when two or more testify about something that that is considered fact. Well, I testify on my behalf and the father also testifies on my behalf. And I was like, what? That's cheating. Like I, I always <laughs> kind of thought like, that's kind of, that's kind of um, almost a cop out. And I didn't understand what Jesus was saying. What he's saying is, look, I'm claiming to be the Messiah. And you know how the father testifies on my behalf? Well, he enables me to do these miracles. And I, I wouldn't be the Messiah if I if I um, if I, I couldn't do these things. Mm -hmm. 
then I then I couldn't be the Messiah. But I can do these things because God has enabled me, the Messiah, to do them. And so, yep. like, I didn't understand that at first. I was over here, like, uh, I was just as confused as the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how? How? What do you? What do you mean? We know who we're here, Father. God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, and so it's it's just it's incredible what what Jesus Christ has done for us, and and the and the fact that like. You know, you you were talking about testifying and witnessing, and and God testifies that I I am who I am, and all that. Like, it's amazing how much of a legal case the the sacrifice on the cross was. Like, it's not just some thing that God had Jesus do willy nilly. This is like how actually fulfilling the <laughs> law, right? Like, so um, there's different legal precedents that we can operate under here in the United States, and and one of those legal precedents is that. Uh, in certain situations, the the person who is in charge of something can be the one that gets in trouble for uh, the the actions of the people that acted underneath them. Okay, and so that's like actually that illegal. The car or something. So if I'm a general and I order you to go do uh, something that ends up being you know genocide, the general gets can take the blame for that, especially if the individuals on the ground level didn't know that what they were doing was genocide does that make sense yeah like if you said hey so go, even, go demo this building and there was a bunch of families in there and there wasn't any way for the soldier to know that then the yeah. general takes takes the blame for that and actually can go to jail while the rest of the 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 people underneath him don't and so huh. there there are way there's legal precedents in the united states today where you can Take where where someone of authority can step in and take uh, the punishment for someone who's underneath them and acting in their name, and so that's why it's so important that we take on the name of Jesus so he can step in and take over our punishment legally from a like how, actual legal we, Roman Jewish perspective. Sorry. So if we don't take on the name, no, you're fine. If we don't take on the name Jesus, then we can't partake in the sacrifice that he made. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, exactly. It, it can't count for us. If we're not under him, Oof. if we're not under his authority, then his sacrifice doesn't count for us. Now, here's the quick Jesus plug. And that's why you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to, mm -hmm. you know, um, he he was the substitutionary atonement for our sins. Um, the soul that sins shall die. And so what the, the, the way it's supposed to work is we're all supposed to pay for our own sins. You were never supposed to sin. So you're never supposed to die, but the soul that sins shall die. And so now you're supposed to pay for your own sins, but mm -hmm. God stepped in and paid him for you in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's why it's so beautiful yep. that you, you put your faith in Jesus so that his sacrifice can apply to you and his blood can wash you of your sins. And then when you die, you're just presented as holy, you know? Mm -hmm. So Amen. yeah, that's, that's why we, that's why it's so important and that's why it's what that's what me uh, and Ryan that's the whole point of what the uh, of what we're doing I think God put it on both of our hearts that we need to be doing something for him and that and that's what that's what this is for and so God wants us to be fishers of men uh, to win souls for God's kingdom and um, ultimately it's it's just gonna be nice to see somebody in heaven can you imagine we get to heaven and someone was like 
dude i watched your i watched your videos and it led me to christ can you believe that like uh, that would be so yeah. nuts I, god willing that actually happens one person i'd be happy if one person came to christ for, through oh yeah the, the the year and a half of work that i've been doing you know outside of just faithful dialogues the other stuff that i've been doing would be completely worth it just for one person right like yeah that's how that's how important eternity is you know what i mean like what's my year and a half of time versus them being in, in hell for eternity right yeah and, and i know it's... you agree with that so it's it, it's beautiful all the people that came before us that that spent their time and gave their lives to uh to spread the gospel to us i mean the the reason that we're christians today is because there were people that were being burned at the stake by nero and while they're being burned alive they're they're preaching the gospel to the soldiers you know, can you imagine being that soldier and this person you're burning alive loves you? That'd scar you for life. That'd be like uh, the craziest psychological thing though. <laughs> or it can or it can bring you to new life. It can awaken you to the to the to Christ and the salvation that he has for you. You know, that's that's how Paul Paul was murdering Christians before he came to Christ himself, right? So so even even the he that's why he considered himself to be the chiefest of sinners. And so he must have looked like an infiltrator when he started becoming a Christian. He must have looked like he was trying to get into the inner sanctum of Jesus's he, disciples to kill them all. Or something. <laughs> That's probably what it looked like. Oh, yeah. You, they, it, it doesn't say that anything that explicitly, but that's they were very wary of him when uh, after the, the, uh, the road to Damascus and when he was going to Jerusalem, uh, he had to go with the. With the person that that saw him convert, and that person had to make sure, like, hey guys, this guy's cool. He's not just a spy coming here to murder us all. Like, those were very real concerns at the time. But I think what what ultimately happened was the Holy Spirit smoothed it all over and gave them all yeah. the peace and the understanding that they needed to have to know that that this man had truly changed because of what Jesus had done for them for him. And uh, ultimately, they had all gone through that process themselves. You know, they, they had all been horrible, unrepentant sinners before they came to Jesus and, and before his, his sacrifice was made. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful that they were able to accept him. Can you imagine? Like, he might have gone and he was definitely preaching to people's families that he had murdered. Did he go into synagogues and stuff? Oh, yeah. Paul went into synagogues all over the place. But, I mean, he was in Jerusalem, okay? That's telling the Jewish people who are telling the Christians that's well, wait, wait. So what? he was so... in, he, he went, he, after Damascus, he went, uh, I don't, I can't remember if he went and did his three years of seminary in the wilderness, uh, before he went to Jerusalem or after, I can't remember, but, uh, basically he went Damascus. He either then went off for three years and, and got taught by Jesus directly and then ended up in Jerusalem. Um, and you know, he's directly interacting with, with the families of people that he murdered seriously like that's that's what was happening and these people accepted him because of the forgiveness that jesus christ has i mean they all recognize that they're going to be resurrected and so i think it's a lot easier to let go when you know that uh your eternal salvation is um in in, in your savings like you don't need to worry about it like it's uh it's so nice like that's like and i i gotta segue even back it's like the, the the fact that we're saved is a, is another reason why it's so urgent that we do this because like we know that we're good you know what mm -hmm. I mean and, but it's yep. 
we there's this there's this concern for for everyone else now because it's like um the single most important decision that i feel like i could have made i've already made and i made it correct and so now i just want everybody else to to uh get right and it's it's like a one question test and it's super easy in my opinion and i just want everybody else to to go and uh check that box and put you know but um yeah. It might not be so easy for everybody else. Uh, they, there's a lot of people that might be coming from different areas of their life, different understandings. They might be coming from uh, Catholicism, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness. Well, and, you know what I mean? Like, you know, ultimately, it's it's the wickedness of your own heart, right? Like, that's the barrier of entry to, to Christianity is, is your own heart is deceitful above all things. And the only way that you could possibly overcome that is through the love that Jesus Christ has for us and, and the fact that he's willing to give us a new heart that isn't made of stone but made of flesh. So it's it's a it's a miracle every time somebody is saved. Yeah, it is. And um, it's it's a beautiful thing. And heaven rejoices. Definitely. <laughs> All yep. right. Are you ready Do you to get... get into our, our John reading? All right. Let's get into that. Yeah. Do you want to read the rest of that chapter for us, starting at John yes. chapter 4, verse 31? Yes, so that's where we left off uh, last week for you guys, uh, earlier today for us. And so I'll start off right there. Uh, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? <laughs> Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way, and he was, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. 
Nice. All right. And so we have, um, let me see here in verse. Um, so that little section, um, 33 through 38, it's talking about, therefore, my disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him any food to eat? And he's talking about my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to mm -hmm. finish his work. Is he kind of implying here that we kind of get spiritually fed by being obedient to God? Or like, what, what is he kind of saying here? Is that kind of specific to Jesus? Or like, is he, is there anything to take out of that verse? Verse uh, yeah, so I, I think that we need to kind of look at the at the context of it. So Jesus just, uh, you know, he, he just met this woman. He just talked to her and this woman's going into the town. And I, I believe Jesus knew what was going to happen there, where, where that whole town was going to not the whole town, but a lot of people in that town were going to come to believe in him. OK, and so. In the middle of this incredible spiritual moment where, where Jesus is, is pouring out his love to this, this wretched woman who is now, you know, hopefully been reborn and, and is going to go and sin no more, like, like, other, like, like he commanded others. Um, so, you know, that, that scene just happened. And instead of his disciples, like, taking a moment and praising God or, or you know, understanding the magnitude of what just happened... They're like, in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. And so he's just like, oh, my gosh, you guys, you are so focused on the things of this world. When you when you don't understand the 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 my feast food. that I just gave this. this, Yeah. You know what I mean? So th like they're so focused on just the everyday things. You know, they hadn't seen Jesus eat in a while. It's noon. He probably. You know, at, at noon he met her, so it's probably past noon now. So he probably he might have eaten breakfast. Maybe he didn't. Like, they're all thinking about those things and not worrying about the actual spiritual health of this whole city, which is what he's trying to teach them. Like, it's going to be your responsibility to go and spread the gospel when I'm gone, guys. You need to understand what you really should be focused on. Here is kind of the yeah. way I take it. So I, I'm again, I'm putting words into the mouth of Jesus Christ. So I want to be very clear that that's not something that jesus that was said but... insight though like i i actually didn't um i didn't kind of think about it that way and that actually helps me a lot like like their 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 heart's in the right place they care about jesus it's you know maybe he did like you said maybe he had breakfast maybe he didn't and they just kind of want him to eat and so mm -hmm. like they're totally like like not stopping to smell the roses like look guys i just saved somebody like and she's gonna go and she's gonna run back to that village and you know what I mean and she's gonna start telling everybody about yeah. uh, this is this is chapter we're in four right four yep correct yeah so we, yeah we just finished she's four run back to her village and tell everybody everything that just happened and I think people come um, to faith uh, they start to to think about Jesus because of her and then um, they come and see him for who he is and they come to faith um, later on I think yeah uh, so the 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 other interesting thing about this, the other side of the coin is this was probably a stumbling block for the Jews. <laughs> Which, uh, why is that? Because the Samaritans believed in him. So these are some of the first like large groups of people <laughs> to start, uh, to start converting. Like that doesn't go unnoticed by troll? the other. Uh, kind of. I mean, basically the, you know, he, he went to his own, but his own received him not. And so he has to go to, so to Samaritans next to the Samaritans and, I don't think he Jesus himself never goes and opens up the gospel to the Gentiles proper, but ultimately, the you know, the, him, though, right? The, well, the no, 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 Paul, 
uh, Paul. Paul, uh, first through through Peter, it was Peter who got to open up the avenue to the Gentiles, but it was Paul that really kind of rammed it on home and, and got, you know, he was he was out, you know, crisscrossing the Mediterranean, preaching at all the different churches for, you know, decades. So, oh, okay. Um, but you know that the 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 Jews had the privileged position of of you know being the people that uh, that saw him when he turned the water into wine. The there should have been people that started getting saved right around. I'm sure there were a couple, but you know that should have been when the Pharisees started to take note of things, and they didn't because. You know, a, a, a prophet isn't, uh, was it a prophet isn't respected in his own, in his own land or something like that, right? Like, yeah, a, pro- yeah, a right? prophet is um, revered or respected everywhere, but in his own town or in his own country. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, the, these people that saw Jesus grow up and probably called him a bastard a couple times had a really hard time believing that he was the Messiah, the son of the living God. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> It's because God didn't do it in a flashy way, and he humbled himself. And people expected God or the Messiah to exalt himself, or that's what what they would have done if they were the Messiah. And I think that's what really tripped them up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Well, they, he didn't fulfill the, the things that, that they, the expectations that they had of him. And so they, they rejected him, unfortunately. It's, it's sad. It's sad that they, um, they themselves weren't um, scriptural about their approach to what the messiah like um even in the even in the gospels people are like it, it says when the messiah comes he will just up, uh, appear out of thin air or something like that i remember them basically saying um there's some people that like it, it recorded in the in the gospels that like people had wrong thinking about what the messiah was gonna like be or do and mm-hmm. i thought that was interesting too so it's it yep. just kind of tells you that they're out of touch with scripture because like it should they should re- be remembering that uh, Messiah is going to do X, Y and Z. And so like dudes here doing X, Y and Z and you're over here mad at him for for saying, hey, what's up? I'm here. I'm doing the miracles and I'm the Messiah or you know what I mean? I'm I am he. And so yeah. <laughs> and um, they're like a blasphemy. And you're like, it's like, dude, you guys are ignoring the fact that I'm doing all the X, Y and Z. It's like, sure, you're mad at me and probably maybe jealous or you just really don't like me or for personal reasons, but you're totally overlooking the miracles. Like, yep. um, and, and the guy that goes before the Sanhedrin, who who uh, since the beginning of time has been able to heal somebody of their blindness, like mm-hmm. nobody, like uh, God doesn't listen to sinners. So that was just a really cool layer that like um, that yeah. showed that that guy whose blindness was healed knew more about the Messiah than the Sanhedrin at the moment because they were like, um, um, he goes, well, I don't, uh, he goes, we know that Jesus is a sinner. And he's like, well, I don't know that he's a sinner, but you're telling me that like, you don't know where he's from. Well, that's interesting because he healed me of my blindness and no, uh, who, uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so he's yeah. basically realizing because he healed me of my blindness, that means something. And they're, and they're like just completely overlooking that and stuff. So, well, and, and what's interesting about that is, you know, of those two groups, which one of those is more likely to know the promises to blind people, right? Like <laughs> the I Pharisees or the blind person. So that he knew the <laughs> he knew the prophecies because he was blind. You know, that makes like sense. he had been he had been hoping for the Messiah to show up his whole life. You know, his parents probably said, you know, son, you're blind, but maybe someday you'll be blessed enough to have the Messiah show up and heal you of your blindness, like. That was, those were very real things. It might sound silly or quaint to us now, but no, they had actual faith. Like 
bad that we hope Jesus raptures us any moment. And so that's kind of how he was probably there. He's like, oh, I hope Messiah comes any moment because he wants his sight back. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> and so so he would have known, like everybody got taught the uh, the Torah, it got read to them. And so he would have he would have been, you know, he would have been listening on Saturday to the Torah being read and. Probably at some point, you know, he there was a, a promise that said that, you know, he will heal the blind. And he went, huh? <laughs> Wait, what? He's going to heal the blind. I'm I'm ready for that. Let's uh, let's get some Messiah going, you know. And right. So, so when when the Messiah does show up and when he does get healed, he's like, oh, wait, I w- the Bible teaches that no one can be healed of of blindness except by the Messiah. And no one's done that since the beginning of time. So. Uh, right pharisees you're the ones that should know this right 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 yeah right? Exactly. and then they're like uh no we're we got some stone hearts we're gonna we're gonna push shove this one under the rug because we got some power right now and this messiah guy showing up not taking over the romans really doesn't do it for us yeah um it's probably because there's some layer like we we probably can't taste or it's not palpable like the roman oppression that's going on during the the biblical times because do you really get a flavor of that in the Bible? Um, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't come across like it, you know, it's not a text that was written by people that were salty about how oppressed they were. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the, it, it, so they, they, it doesn't show up in ways that it probably could have. But I mean, you know, it talks about how, you know, certain disciples were tax collectors and, and you know, Jesus had to pay some taxes and, and those sorts of things. So, you know, it doesn't paint the Romans in the best light, but it, it doesn't it doesn't complain about it as much as it would have if it was written by, you know, unrepentant Jews at the time. Okay, that makes sense. All right. And then that was um chapter four verse thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Um and then moving on on to thirty-five. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already ripe. Uh, white for harvest um and uh so just before we move on on that one i i take this as um there are people that have been primed for the gospel they just they're waiting for you to go and say it is that kind of what what this is yeah basically so what what it's saying is that do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest so what he was it was probably a, we could probably tell what time of year it was based on that I don't know what time. I'm assuming harvest would have been probably September, spring. October. Oh, fall. Oh, okay. So you plant in the spring and then you harvest in the fall. So oh. this is probably sometime in the summer. I would imagine either it's in the spring or in the summer. And so as as someone who uh, is a farmer, you actually have most of your year is off time. So God's doing most of the work when it comes to farming. You're only having to go out and plow the field for a month or two. And you only have you only have to go out and harvest for like a month. Okay, the rest of that time, God's doing the watering, God's doing the growing, God's doing everything else in the meantime. And so you can go off and you can have side jobs and side businesses and and all sorts of things. And so what it's saying is, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. So he's saying, get up off your butts. You got some work to go do. (laughs) <laughs> you, know, you don't you don't have time to go do your your other stuff that you're doing in the off time between planting and harvest. You've got to go and and start reaping the harvest right now. Um, oh. You know and say and and 
you know, so like a farmer at the time, they would have had other jobs. That wasn't the only thing that they were doing. And even some people who had other jobs at times of harvest would come in and uh, help with the harvest, right? So it's a, it's just an interesting thing to, to look at, right? Uh, so they, they would have been like, they, they this would have told them things that we're not quite picking up on because we're living in the 21st century and nobody that's listening to me except like one, you know, basically no one will ever, that's listening to me will ever have ever worked on a farm. Just because it's, you know, we have so many, uh, you know, caterpillars out. Uh, oh, I, I know what you're saying. Like, it, it it wouldn't be just pure hand tools at that point, right? Is what oh, yeah, it was, it was all it. manual labor. And so everybody in the community, it was, it, at certain times of the year, 100% of the able-bodied men would have been harvesting. As well as probably children, you know, what we would consider children. Because there's literally that much work to do, yeah. That's yep, crazy. and it, when it all has to get done quickly, that's the that's the other thing. So or it goes bad. yes, it goes bad. So what you so what he's also saying is, look, the the fields are ripe right now, but you wait a month or two months or or you know you wait a while and they go they go bad. So you got to get up and you got to go harvest now. Now's the time. Wow, that's uh, that's uh that's that's heavy. <laughs> you know and. uh yeah, and it says for this, for this, for in this, the saying is true: one sows and another reaps. And so, you know, you have the farmer that's going out and spreading the seed. He's not going to be the only person that's that's gathering the harvest. So, there was somebody who Jesus Christ Himself in this section went out and scattered the seed, and then there's going to be an immediate harvest right here. And so we see that the that the uh, you know the city starts turning to Him almost immediately after he sows the seeds of, of faith in that Dude, woman. This is crazy. 36. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both mm -hmm. he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. That means if you come to Christ that we get to see each other in heaven and we get to just be like, yeah, you made it. We made it. Yes. Like we mm -hmm. get to like be really happy yep. because, uh, because one person, received the message one person gave the message and we're both going to be in heaven together just celebrating the fact that you know we're with god and with each other and so that's kind yeah. of again what we're doing here and we can't and we we hope that we're, we can uh show people the authentic jesus and the real biblical jesus and that you'd come to a real faith in the real jesus right amen <laughs> that that real person who died but you know ultimately he's the resurrected jesus so you go into any Catholic church and you're going to see a big uh, cross with a dead Jesus hanging on it. And ultimately, the reason why, like, my background on my personal stuff is an empty cross, okay? The cross does not have Jesus Christ on it anymore. He's sitting at the right hand of his father and, and ready and waiting to come back down and take over this world, right? We don't worship a dead person. We worship the risen Christ. Yeah. He is risen, and that's why we we celebrate um, Easter. Is um, he was mm -hmm. is Easter the day he was raised to life? Was that the third yep. day after he died? Sunday was the day he got raised. Nice. So yeah, yeah. that's why Amen. we celebrate Easter. All right. Um, what and, yeah. what time are we at? Oh, uh, no, we're good. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep going. Well, uh, we're at a hour and twenty three, and it's only one, so we can keep going.
All um, right. Uh, you know, and so uh, look at verse 38. Do we, do we read 38? It says, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. And so I think there might actually be a certain reading of this where the person who, who sowed was Jesus himself. And so when it says, uh, and he, uh, for in this the saying is true, uh, wait, wait, uh, that he that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. I think that might actually be saying that we get to rejoice with Jesus Christ. Wow, that that's that's pretty huge. Like yeah, like what does that just mean? Like we're we're part of the work that that Jesus set up. That like he planted all the seeds, and we're kind of is that kind of. I yeah, I think I think that's that. that's one way to look at it. So. Again, it could it could be saying that uh, there's other other human beings beside Jesus that planted the seeds for us to then reap. Now that we're doing this faithful dialogues, right? Like most people don't hear the gospel just once and immediately come to Jesus. Uh, you actually kind of have to hear it a couple times and and digest it and think about it, and then ultimately come to Jesus is the way a lot of people do. And so. You know, it could be saying that well, a human being other than Jesus sowed and then us or another human being is going to reap uh, that which he did not sow. Or it could be saying that Jesus is the one that sows every seed and it's for us to go out and gather the harvest. And so we get to both work. We get to work in cooperation with Jesus after we're saved. So the Catholics believe that we need to cooperate with Jesus's mercy for our own lives. What the Bible teaches is we need to co cooperate with Jesus for everyone else's lives for their for their eternal lives yeah and so sure. and so that's just one of those subtle little twists that the that the catholic church does and and that's that's actually a trick of satan is to take bible verses and to take meanings of that and then just subtly little twist it a little bit to get you to do something that's now heretical right so yeah all right, let's see what we got here on this and next. So that was the end of here. Let's see. Um, and many Samaritans in that city believed in him because of the word that the woman uh, who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. And uh, they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for uh, we ourselves have heard him. And now we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So it's kind of like what you were saying. Like they get kind of preached this gospel that the Messiah is here, this kind of this and that. And they see Jesus for who he really is. And then they're like, OK, um, but I, I would say that she kind of helped in the planting of the seeds there a little bit. She's over there talking to them. It sounds like they're almost like um, not willing to admit that. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know we now we believe not because of what you've said for we ourselves have heard him now and we know that this is indeed the christ so it's like it's like they don't want to give her credit almost <laughs> um you know I, I i don't know if that's the case though that may be uh, that is a very real possibility um because there were people that did believe just based on her own testimony i believe i uh, i think um but what a you know it's it's like how powerful is her testimony compared to the actual messiah coming in and and talking with us right that's true yeah um you know and it's just so incredible the way that the bible is set up all the wrong people respond to him <laughs> okay this should have been how the pharisees 
and the and especially the priests in the temple reacted to him okay but instead these low life samaritans who shouldn't who don't even know where to worship they don't even know where to go and and to to to, to worship the 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 most high god properly they don't even know that but they know the messiah when he shows up in their face <laughs> you know i didn't even kind of put that together like it didn't take much for them they just had to come and see this guy face to face i i i kind of drove right past that and then so the the sanhedrin and the pharisees and the sadducees and all these people come up and drill jesus they'll actually drill him with like the should we pay taxes like thing and like mm -hmm. oh man so they're actually trying to trap him in his words and stuff and i don't even know why like i don't know if they're trying to actually test him to see if he's legit because it doesn't seem genuine or, or no they're trying to genuine. they're trying to build a legal case against him to have him uh put to death oh yeah that's kind of what so, it, it definitely seems that so way. the yeah. the the taxes thing you might not think about it as a, a death sentence today because of how weak our our government is as far as corporal punishment but as a as a subject as a subject of rome uh the Jews had to pay their taxes. If you weren't paying your taxes, the Romans would come and slice your throat or, you know, crucify <laughs> you. Right. Like Dang. they don't, they didn't take tax cheats lightly. <laughs> okay. And so if Jesus was preaching the message of don't pay your taxes to the Romans, then they can go and be like, Hey, Pilate, here's this thing that Jesus just said. He said not to pay his taxes. So now he's inspiring a revolt. We should probably put him down before he gets any bigger. Right. You know, that's what they're trying to do. They're building a yeah. legal case against him to get him crucified. Um, ultimately, they're never actually able to make that case, which is amazing. <laughs> but they do it anyway because they're wicked and evil, and that's also the way that Jesus Christ orchestrated it. So, um, um, all right. So let's see. Um, going back into this. <clears throat> I'm trying to see if uh, here on 43, you know, after the, the two days he departed from there and went, oh, yeah, there we go. For Jesus, um, now after the two days he departed from, now after the two days he departed from there and he went to Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So um it, it is this touching back into the the idea that these people had grown up and seen him and been calling him like bastard basically the whole time and now he's saying that he's um professing to be uh, the Christ and um so he's is this kind of like what that means there is that like yeah. all the all these prophets they're like rock stars everywhere else just not where they live <laughs> mm -hmm. Well I mean you know you you grow like uh, again we get lost in our modern like sensibilities about like society our society is orders of magnitude larger than nazareth would have been like the population of nazareth at the time that jesus was alive couldn't have been more than a couple hundred and that's like scattered miles and miles around okay so we're not talking about some like huge you know metropolis of a million people rome only had a million people at that day Okay, so like 
you know, when he's when he's saying that there's no honor in his own country, it's because he grew up with these people. They all knew him on a first name basis. Like, can you imagine if if somebody that you knew or that you that you grew up with came back and said they were the Messiah? You'd call you'd think they were insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd probably be one of the hardest things to swallow. Like, it's like, but, but, but like, I'd be like, but you were not like you were, you know what I mean? Like I would, <laughs> there, there'd be so many things you'd want to say, you know? But. Well, and I, I think one of the, one of the hardest things would have been like, so where were you, why weren't you doing miracles when you were 12? You know, where, right. were, <laughs> yeah. where were all, where were all those miracles then when I was punching you in the face? Huh? Huh? Jesus? Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't stop hitting yourself, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's that's probably what these people were thinking, because that's because I don't think human beings have changed since then. You know, we have the same kind of sensibilities then that we do now. He would yeah. have got picked on and beat up and and all the normal sorts of things that a, a Jewish boy would have gone through with, at the t- at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's it's I can see why they would have hard hearts to it. But again, it's still on them, and and ultimately, what it what what it comes down to is they're going to face a worse. Uh, they're going to face a fate worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Are um? I think I was going to ask. I think I mean I might have already asked before, but are there like tears to hell? Are there like tears to punishment? Are there what? Oh, are tears. There, like, tears to Sorry, hell. Sorry, I I heard that as T E A R S, like crying. <laughs> I was like, are there tears to hell? Yeah, there's lots of weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what. <laughs> okay, so are there tears? You mean like like a hierarchy? Yeah. Uh, so what uh, I uh, tears would probably be the wrong word. Like I don't think there's separate places for everybody. I don't know how that all works or or if place even makes sense as a word for hell because it's the outer darkness, it's the absence of a place kind of. So what what the Bible teaches is that there is greater and lesser condemnations for different sins. And so even the smallest little sin separates you from God and makes it impossible, makes it impossible for you to be in the presence of God without being destroyed. And so that's, that's why they get sent to hell. That's why even the littlest sin sends you to hell without Jesus Christ's, uh, uh, sacrifice. Um, but that doesn't mean that everyone has the same experience in hell. And so, those that commit greater sins are going to receive a greater judgment unless they repent and turn to Jesus Christ. What's crazy is like, I don't understand what that would manifest or look like or apply to like, like is the heat turned up for those people? Like I just are, is it even more dark for those people? Like, I just don't understand what that would even look like. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I think, I think if they're all that, in the lake of fire. How can one be in it, uh, more than the other, or any kind of thing like that? So that that's all. So so yeah yeah no 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 that's that's a good thing to address. It's called the lake of fire. Like it's it's not actually a lake of fire. Okay, they're not. So it's not a place that could be described using words that we have at, at our disposal today. But what it what it is is it a place is it a is a place of complete and utter separation. So, you know, if you've ever felt like uh, you were all by yourself or you were alone, just imagine that to the most extreme possibility and you're feeling pain of some kind and discomfort. And so 
there's different levels to that, right? And so uh, that that's kind of how I see it. It's not it's not so a lot of people have this like Futurama idea of hell in their brain where it's the the devil in hell and he's the king of hell and he's torturing people for fun and he's a sadist and he gets all this uh you know pleasure out of causing people pain no the, the devil is going to be experiencing an even worse sentence than any human being is because of the 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 fact because he's the one it was created for and so you know he's going to have an even worse time than everyone else he's going to be at, if there were tears he would be at the worst tier uh, and so, you know, pedophiles, people that, you know, the people that uh, that are the stars of the Sound of Freedom movie that that weren't rescuing kids, but the ones that were doing the horrible things, they're going to be in they're going to be experiencing the most pain, the most torment, the most separation. Whatever that means, I don't I couldn't describe it or, or understand it because I thank God will never experience that. But uh, yeah, that's what they have. That's what you have waiting for you if you don't have Jesus Christ. That's what's hard to understand because if they're in hell together, do they are they like? I don't. I, I think it, together. You, so so you you start adding in these words. I'm not saying you, I'm, but in general, people start adding in these words. You said they're in hell together. No one has ever said they were in hell together. They're not. They're not like having a party. Like yeah, we're all suffering together. No, I mean I, like, are they all in the same location? Again, uh, does lo location might not even make sense as a word for this place that's that's hard to understand for me so so like a location is a created place that god created and and he's got some kind of connection to this is a place that that has no connection to god i don't know if that's a location i don't know if that's like a feeling for them it, it's it, it is not something that we have the words to adequately describe it's more horrible than you could possibly imagine that's and, nuts Okay, like the the there are not English words that could describe adequately the separation, the pain, the torture, the the torment that people will feel that are in hell. It is it is more worse than anything I could po than any words I could possibly use. That's nuts. Like, oh my. You know, and and unfortunately, that's the fate that that some of the people that we care about are going to face, and that's that's that should be more terrifying than it is for a lot of us, including myself. Yeah, it's it's just why that's uh, the whole motivation, right? Yep. Uh, and and so you know, if if that's you, I'm I'm praying for you, and 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 you need to come to Jesus, and you need to do it on His terms and not yours. Yeah. Right. Like and his. Yeah, I was just gonna say you try to submit to God on on um, on your terms. It ends up looking like a cherry pick into the Bible, and you believe what you want to believe out of the Bible. But uh, you yeah. believe the good parts, but nothing uncomfortable, nothing that's hard or makes you a better person. You're just gonna throw all that out, and just anything uh, prosperity sounding, you're just gonna spoon like you're just gonna eat all that up. You know, <laughs> so. I I pray that you don't. But there's a lot of people that do, and it's yeah. it's. It's sad, and like I said, it, it should be truly terrifying, you know, if if you understand what's what what's at stake. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All right, um, where was that? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, all right, so uh, this is the no honor. All right, so this is the nobleman's son healed. So this one's interesting. Um, uh. 
with the nobleman's son being healed, uh, then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And so it, it seems kind of like it's almost kind of expressing disappointment and and people in general. But these are like um, Capernaum. Is this not is this a Jew? That's asking him for to heal his son, or is this um... most likely? I believe nobleman. Yeah, I believe so, but but I'm not sure. Interesting. Um, yeah. So wait, let me see. Uh, it's got a footnote here. Royal official. Um, that could have been. He could have been a Roman of some kind, potentially. Uh, oh. so it, I looked at the footnote here. Can you see that? It says footnote royal official. So there wouldn't have been any Jewish royalty, but I could see uh, Herod. Uh, King Herod was royalty. He was uh, Edomite, who was in charge of the area, put in put in control by the Romans. Uh, so this could have been a uh, somebody that was working for him. Um, I'm not sure who would be described exactly as a nobleman. Uh, so, yeah. It's just, it's just really interesting. Um, um, I don't really know what's going on here. Um, and I'm, I'm going to ask this in like the a father God proper versus the son um, kind of way. Mm-hmm. When when Jesus gets this information and he says, go your way, your son lives. Um, is that him having faith in the father or is that him healing somebody from a distance? Uh, like the meme, why not both? <laughs> you know what? 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 What is Jesus healing someone except using the power that the Father gave him? Right. So, I think you're kind of saying the same thing, the without same. realizing it. Okay. You know, uh, obviously Jesus has complete and perfect faith in what the Father will do. Um, or, or uh, I think a lot of the times he describes it as the Father empowers him to do things. So, I think it's kind of the kind of the same. You're kind of saying the same thing in different ways, I think. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch that. Because uh, <laughs> um, w- the reason why I was saying that is because God is, you know, he can be in multiple places. Okay. It, one being, um, it's hard, it's hard to, uh, <laughs> like, understand. Okay. So, you know, yeah. when he was talking to, I can't remember if it was Philip or Nathan, but he's like, I, I saw you and you were under the fig tree. Th- that's kind of, and he obviously we always take that as he somehow was able to see him under the tree when he wasn't there. And so like, can you touch on that really quick? Is he, I need, what's the, what's the verse reference on that? I'd really need to actually see that verse before I, I start trying to extrapolate anything on it. Unfortunately. Oh, sure. Yeah. This uh, is when um, he starts gathering his disciples and he starts calling people to him. Okay. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. This is going to be John 1, 48. Okay. It's Nathaniel. Um, um, how do you know anything about me? Jesus answered him. I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. This is him talking to Nathaniel. Okay. So Philip and Nathaniel, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Okay. And so what was your question again? Sorry. He basically tells him, I saw you when you were under the the fig tree before Philip called you. And it's like the way this has always been presented um, 
it always seemed like Jesus wasn't there when he saw him, not that he was at, off at a distance looking at him. And so, because then Philip goes, um, he starts believing that he's the Messiah just based off of this. So it, it's, that's why I've always taken it as like, Jesus must have not been there, like physically, because this, this was like a crazy sign to him. Um, yeah. See. Was it John 148? And so like, let's say, for example, um, you're going to hate that I say this, but let's say if we were to watch like a gospel movie, mm -hmm. it would it would put it showing Nathaniel praying under a tree some other day or some other hour potentially then, yeah yeah and then and so jesus comes up he's like yeah i saw you when you were under the fig tree and that that was supposed to mean to philip like um like when you were praying earlier um like i saw you when you were praying to me <laughs> it, it was just like i don't know just really interesting but let me, yeah let me, so let's let me uh let's look at the at the greek here so uh, i'm in the interlinear bible and uh, we're going to look at what the actual Greek words were. So Greek is a very descriptive language. So each word can have multiple different parts to it that give it a lot of very specific meanings that don't always get translated into the ultimate translation of the, of the scripture. And so we're at 48, and it says, uh, says to him, Nathaniel, from where me know you answered uh, oh sorry nathaniel to him says you before him said and jesus answered you know me from where from or from where him answered you i saw fig tree the under being calling philip okay our king you oh god okay so before proto Protos, Philippon, okay. It's not not a whole lot here. Yeah, it's pretty much saying the same thing. Um, you know, it's it is a weird. This is a weird little uh uh scripture right here. I, I think that it is. So where does it say? How do you know me? What is forty eight? How do you know me? From from where me know you answered Jesus and said to him before you before you Philip calling being under the fig tree I saw you answered him Nathaniel rabbi you are the son of God you are the king you king are of Israel answered Jesus and said to him yeah that's I don't know that's a that's a real weird one <laughs> uh because you it's, it's entirely you. yeah no no i agree yeah. with you i agree with you with everything that you say it just doesn't say that specifically you know so right what you're saying sounds 100 percent right it, it sounds like basically this was some kind of a, a mystical thing where somehow he knew i was under a fig tree we're not even near any fig trees like i wasn't under a fig tree last week what that's crazy it's kind of what right. it sounds like yeah and then over here he's saying go your way your son lives and like and then this is that account there's like another account where some guy writes him a letter and he's like dude if you even say the word um my my servant will be healed or something like that and like he's like man uh, i that, haven't even yeah that that, that wasn't a, that wasn't a letter that wasn't a letter so oh, that wasn't what, a letter? You're, what you're talking about is the centurion and so the centurion actually goes in uh 
meets with Jesus or he sent someone, a servant, to meet with Jesus? I can't remember. I think he sends a servant. No, I think Jesus actually interacts with him. Let me see. Now I want to know. Jesus and send Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Okay. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Okay, tell no one. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. So there Jesus and him are actually interacting and that man's faith. So because he's a centurion, he has uh, authority over hundreds of men. And so he's a very well-respected person. And one thing he knows about his earthly authority is that he's got a guy that'll go do it. Okay. If he needs water, I know Billy's got the, the water guy. I'm going to tell him to go grab me some water. If I need food, I got Chef you know, Joe over here. I'm going to get some food from Chef Joe. I can just order him to do it whenever I want. And so he can just command people to go and get whatever he needs done immediately. And so he knows if he has this much power as some lowly human that's just got power over a couple hundred people, how much more powerful is this man who's clearly coming from God with, his, with godly authority? And so what he, his wow. faith is like... You're you're so much greater than me. I know that I could send somebody to go do things that I need done. You can just get things done without even having to to go to it. And I'm not even worthy of having you come near me, which is an incredible admission from this centurion who, you know, wait, he's that, that's a Roman. Yeah, he's a Roman. This Ooh. Roman had greater faith than any other man that Jesus had met in Israel. Right. Uh, it says. Uh, uh, where he, is it? He, yeah, uh, faith, yeah. he marveled and said to those who followed, "Surely I say to you, I have not, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Like this was a, a man of greater faith than the high priest or any of the Pharisees or, you know, anyone in Israel. Like that, this this guy was something special. So or he, he his understanding of who Jesus was was spot on and <laughs> what he's yeah. Able. Yeah, and just despite not having access to the scriptures the way that the the Jews themselves did, and like, their society has a peddles a whole bunch of uh, other gods and stuff like that. Oh too. yeah, oh yeah. But what I'm sure he had never seen was a god heal somebody, you know. And so he starts hearing oh. from his servants. Maybe he hadn't seen. He might have seen Jesus himself. But uh, another thing is he would have trusted all the information that he was getting from his his people. And I'm sure there was somebody that he knew that was telling him about this Jesus guy and the crazy things that he's doing. Wow. And so he heard from one of his trusted sources and then believed. And so he, he you know, hearing, you know, how can you believe except by hearing and hearing by the word of God? And so somebody <laughs> saw Jesus and brought those words to this man. You know, those were the words of God that he needed to hear to be able to, to have faith and be saved. And it's, it's that, that's such an incredible miracle the the centuri the whole centurion story and the the faith that um so it's interesting that 
in in the in the centurion story jesus says oh i'll go to your house i'll go take care of it we'll go do it right now you want to go and he's like oh no i'm not worthy so that man's significantly more humble than uh this this jewish man or this nobleman here i don't know if he was jewish necessarily you know he says sir come down before my child dies so he's he thinks jesus needs to be physically be there to actually like touch his kid or something and so he thinks he's worthy of this honor of having jesus come to his house and so he he's kind of he's not demanding he it brushes it but, off and he's like all right just go home your son will live he's like yeah <laughs> uh, but the man did believe the man so the man believed the word that jesus spoke to him and he went his way but you know it wasn't what he was at he was asking for more he was asking for quite a bit he was asking for the the son of god for god himself to come into his house and and but do something for his him. whole ministry and to go do this one healing right mm -hmm, and exactly. I, I would have done the same thing man like oh yeah hey. <laughs> oh yeah i'm not saying i would do anything different i'm just saying it's a big ask <laughs> yeah. but thankfully he had enough faith to go okay i'm gonna have faith in him anyway i believed him enough to come out here and ask him so i'm gonna at least believe him when he when you know he tells me to when he tells me to do something or tell me tells me he's done something i'm gonna at least believe him in that oh so now i understand the whole um how how nice the centurion thing is it's like man you have a ton of faith in me and i don't have to go all the way over there Sheesh. well uh, but i mean th this was a person who thought of himself as or, or should have sorry he didn't he obviously didn't but from from the Roman perspective, they were very arrogant towards the Jews. You know, the Romans were the biggest, baddest empire around. And so if you're a Roman citizen or a Roman centurion like this man was, you should have massive amounts of contempt for the Jews. Those stupid people that got easily conquered by the big Roman empire. Who cares about them? Or but, their god. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, like I, I think I said this earlier, like, the centurion, he, he had probably been worshiping all these false gods his whole life and not ever seen a single miracle take place. It's but, all just in like hocus pocus and just mm -hmm. yeah, put, put some money near the Buddha, uh, right? Or like whatever other religions do. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, it wouldn't have been Buddha, but it would have been like put the put the coin in the um the Zeus statue and some smoke will come out of his mouth to show you that he was pleased with your offering, right? Like that's the oh, level geez. of stuff that he had seen. And then he comes to Judea and he's with all these dirty Jews and all of a sudden out of out of these scumbags, this, you know, miracle worker comes out and starts actually doing a bunch of incredible miracles that that clearly must be from God. Like this isn't something somebody can fake with some stupid mechanism, you know? Right. So, yeah. And that would be by the, the perspective of, of a Roman, not Ryan's perspective. <laughs> Yes, thank you for that clarification. That uh, that all was from a, a Roman perspective. Obviously, I think the Jews are God's chosen people, and uh, no, he's are... going to Israel. Yeah, you like <laughs> you like. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a huge I have a huge heart for the Jews. I'm I, I wish that they would all be saved today. Uh, that's not what's going to happen because that's not what the Bible says. But uh, someday, all the Jews will be saved, and uh, I'm I'm going to be very happy that day when we get to march into Jerusalem and take it back. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, oh. that's that's pretty awesome. And you got to take pictures of Jerusalem. Is there like a bunch of walls? Is it like a castle on top of a hill or something? Like, what is Jerusalem? What do you, like? what do you mean? Oh, it's, it's, it, like? it doesn't look anything like it would have uh, back when Jesus was there. So the way that, that cities as ancient as Jerusalem are, there's different layers. And so uh, at different points, there were different calamities and, and, people came in and just ransacked the place and just tore all the buildings down. And so 
what you would do is you would use the materials from those buildings that got torn down to build the next set of buildings. And so oh. there isn't actually a whole lot that exists from the time that Jesus was alive. But, you know, the, the landscape is still basically exactly the same. It's the same kind of uh, uh, scenery oh. that Jesus would have seen it at the time. Uh, the, the Jordan River is still there flowing basically the same way that it would have been at that point. Like, there's a lot of things that are still basically the same that uh, that we can kind of go and experience a little bit of what uh, Jesus' life might have been like you know, back then, which is very interesting to me. Nice. I, I don't I don't think that this is a trip that's going to save me or that I'm going to get any kind of divine blessing Maybe. for, yeah, or anything like that. I just, we see in the Bible that that God loves the Jewish people and he gave them something that he very much cares about. I mean, what what the Bible describes is that Jerusalem is basically the center of the earth, like, that that is the focal point of everything every plan that god has for humanity focuses around jerusalem and so there's a reason for that and i want to go see what that is all right and you got to tell me how uh, the food is and um, like i heard that produce over there it tastes really good because their soil's really rich and just different stuff like you gotta try some different foods and vegetables and fruits and like yeah we'll see i'm not <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of fish, and that's a big part of their diet. Um, oh, okay. The the other thing is they're they don't do they eat they eat beef, but it, not as much. Uh, they definitely they don't have any pork or anything like that, which is fine. Uh, but they eat a lot of like lamb, which is good. I like lamb. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I'm open to trying whatever I uh, get served there. <laughs> I'll try not <laughs> to be too picky. All right. Well, I think are we are we at about two yes, hours? Yes, we are right up about two hours, and uh, it's been a wonderful day. Uh, again, this will be um, uh, the this will be a different week from the last episode, but uh, Austin and I got to have a, a double feature today, and it's just been a lot of fun spending a bunch of time with him and, and getting to talk about Jesus and God and yeah, you know, all that kind of, of stuff. It's been a blessing. It's all it's always a blessing getting to talk to you, man. I, I appreciate it, man, and it's always very uplifting and edifying to hear the stuff that you, you say, because um, a lot of times when I read these verses, I'm just kind of, like, leaving it as a mystery. I know one day I'll, I'll have all these questions answered, and then now I get to pick your brain, and then the audience gets to benefit from all that, and it's really nice. Like, it's it's really Praise nice. Uh, yeah, I enjoy being in fellowship with you and getting to do these videos every week, and I, I'm Same. looking forward to seeing where this channel goes. and. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we uh, lead one person to Christ at <laughs> minimum, minimum one person. <laughs> and uh, and you know the what I've learned over the year and a half that I've been making videos and posting them online, you just show up, you do a little bit better work every single week, and eventually God's going to use something to to pop off, and and a bunch of people are going to see it and hopefully be blessed by it, right? Uh, yeah. In some of my videos, I, I, I've been am amazingly blessed over on TikTok. I've had millions of views, which is a crazy thing for me to say, um, you know, and I've seen in the in the conversations and in the comments of those videos, like actually people that have gone and like bought books that explain Christianity in a little bit better way and easier to understand, like Case for Christ, those kinds of books. And that, you know, there's a very real chance that that person bought that book read it and, and came to Christ from it. And that's just such an incredible blessing to even think about. Like 
I'm not trying to 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 boast or anything like that. That wasn't me that did that. That was that was me making a stupid video, and then somebody else having a comment on that video that then somebody else responded to and maybe bought this book that might have helped them come to Christ. Like that's just such a beautiful system that God created where no one of those people can be boastful about any of the work that they did, but we all get to be part of that harvest and and rejoice in the in the uh the glory that's being given to God because of those people that are being saved. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a uh, it, it all around is just good and it kills or it <laughs> raises a bunch of birds to life with many stones. <laughs> yep. So uh you know, I, I know that we may not be having the success we hope for right the second, but, uh, you know, we just keep showing up faithfully and, and discussing and dialoguing like we do. And ultimately, I think God's going to bless that and bless the work that we do. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, all right. So let's get that this outro going. My name is Austin. Um, I, I do some some stuff called Apostles Attic. It's a Christ centered clothing line. And I'm also, I do uh, faithful dialogues here with Ryan. Uh, stay posted for a, an additional YouTube channel that I'm going to be promoting soon. But for now, that's where you can reach me. And yeah, I've seen, I've seen some previews. So you're, you guys are going to be, you're going to have a lot of fun watching some of the content he's going to produce over on that uh, yet to be named YouTube channel. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I really yeah. appreciate it. I'm excited to, um, to, to show some of the, the work that I've done. Um, but yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's really fun. I like doing things, um, creatively and especially for Jesus. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Lord does with our lives in general. And then what we, what, you know, with our, our ventures here, you know, amen. Amen. And, uh, if you want to go over and check out the videos that I, I make, uh, you can check them out over at AIIW.org. That'll be a link to whatever your favorite place to consume videos is. Um, I've got the most followers over on TikTok, so there's uh, usually a pretty good conversation going on over there if you want to go join that. And uh, I do some live streams over there as well, so I hope that you all uh, enjoy that and it's a blessing to you. So uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks for joining me, Austin. I, I really appreciate doing this with you every week. It's such a blessing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, just be praying for me. Pray that my uh, my trip tomorrow is safe and uneventful on the way over there and that I just uh, reap all the blessings that God has for me over there and, and make the impact that, that he wants me to have. My goal is to shoot a lot of video, take a lot of pictures, and uh, bring back a lot of stuff that I can share with you guys, uh, you know, since I'll be over there in person for the first time and getting kind of a new perspective on all that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I look forward to, to seeing the pictures and videos you bring back, man. That's going to be cool. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Anything else we got or are we closing it up? No, I think that's just about it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us this week. And I hope that you all have a very blessed week and that you believe in Jesus Christ and put your faith in him. So Amen. goodbye. Put your faith in Jesus. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>